Kay, Kay, do you know what time it is? What time is it, Warren? It's time to thank our favorite people in the whole wide world. Is it time to thank our Patreon sponsors? It is! Yay! So, we would like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Reagan and Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Bianucci and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Tone Deaf is the journey of a theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. I'm sorry for me. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the show we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Welcome to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse in this very special mini-sode. Who are you? I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren, I'm musically challenged. I have not had enough coffee. (laughs) The glorious bean juice that gives us energy and vitality. Yes. Um, so, we're, we're doing a mini-episode real quick uh, before we hop into our Black Theater History episodes because we watched a new musical that is available on Vimeo right now until February 2nd called The Aviatrix, a new musical. And it, yeah, that was, that was fun. It, it, it rekindled was. a weird uh, hyperfixation, so I apologize that in between doing black theater history stuff and dinosaur stuff for the Land Before Time episodes, <laughs> I'm also going to be hyperfixating on air disasters. <laughs> Your first love. My first love. <laughs> <laughs> bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Anyway, that's not part of this at all. So we were approached by Lily Dwoskin, who is the librettist and lyricist of the show, uh, she gave us a discount code to get tickets to see it. It's a fully digital production, like fully virtual. And I want to see this on stage. I do too. That's the the biggest takeaway from watching this show is I really want to see it on stage. I would love yeah. to see, you know, you know, with with us being, with things being the way they are, mm-hmm. a pro shot would be great to see. Yes. Uh, because I want it on stage. Because one of you know some of the things we'll talk about is that there there were some technical issues with the production mm. just because of the fact that they're doing it all virtual, you know, like that. And yeah. It's, and it's 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 a, a small group, you know, and stuff like that. Mm. It, so it, th- there is that aspect of it, but I don't. We don't want to judge it too harshly based on that. Yeah. Because plus they they re released uh, the first act, which had most of the issues uh, after we had seen it. Um, and so if you go and watch it now, it's going to be yeah, no technical yeah. difficulties. Go see it. Oh my God, it's good. But it was so entertaining. Oh my God. <laughs> it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I thought one thing I thought that was pretty cool was how it's an entire, entirely a female cast. Yes. It's, it's all female or femme or femme presenting. Yes. People. Thank um, you. Cause some are, some are non-binary if I remember right. Um, but yeah, it just, y'all, <laughs> 
so good. It was entertaining. I enjoyed it. And uh, I, I might have a little bit of a crush on Tanisha Moore, who I played mean, Harriet. That's totally fair. And uh, this was this was a this was my bi dream. <laughs> a biplane bi dream. Well, I mean, they're not biplanes. Wait, are they bi? Wait, yeah, wait. All I know is that they're mostly made of, like, toothpicks and cotton. Yeah. You know, with yeah. some dental floss to bind it together. It's the period of time where pilots had very short lives. Uh, yeah. It's, let's put it this way. It's before the planes were made of metal. Yeah. <laughs> the only metal part was the engine. And I don't think that the NTSB was doing plane stuff either at this time, because I, I was not able to locate this particular uh, series of events on my hyperfixation page. On your airplane disasters? Yeah. Before they started keeping record. We see, okay, it got a lot more interesting once the body count raised. Because when it's just one person crashing and dying, it's much less interesting than a plane. You know, it got more, it got more interesting when there was at least a passenger. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, uh, our so the Aviatrix uh, is uh, written by Lily Dwoskin, composed by Casey O'Neill, uh, stars uh, Lauren Ellen Baez, Tanisha Moore, Ariel Crosby, Holly Gold, Sarah Hodgewood, Anna Lovrick, and Emily Van Villet Perea. Um, it's so good, y'all. It's entertaining. It's so good. It's very entertaining. The the, uh, the and I apologize if I fucked up anyone's names. It's not Black History Month yet. I can say fuck. <laughs> oh, thank Christ on a cracker with... I don't know. I was going to take it a little bit farther. Uh, so shall we talk about the show? Yes. Oh, and also uh, most of our actors for this show were actors' equity. So this is a way for them to still be making money because uh, actors' equity is not, if I remember right, they're not allowing any actors to do stage performances right now, which is why uh, one of our local theaters is like, well, we've got non-equity people, so we're going to still put them on stage, uh -huh. even though they normally hire just equity. And it's like, you motherfuckers. Kay and I have, have beaten this, this horse very, very thoroughly, but it still Thank needs to be beaten. Thank you, Actors' Equity, for keeping the actors safe. It still needs to be beaten because uh, <laughs> in the, the time that we're living in, streaming is entirely valid, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we have watched multiple shows that have been streamed, mm -hmm. and there is no reason why you cannot still have these actors working and at least putting on virtual productions mm -hmm. because they have bills to pay too and they mm -hmm. have a talent that needs to be shared and we want to pay for that talent exactly so anyway onto the show <laughs> so our show the aviatrix musical opens up with a trio of pilot women singing about being an inch from death while they're a mile high in the sky the opening scene jumps to a woman cooking in the kitchen like a god intended while trying to explain to her mother that she wants to move to new york <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I give you that look, but I actually like cooking. <laughs> we, 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 but I'm also not a woman. We so. we both like cooking, but <laughs> you know, especially because I think this takes place in like 1910. Or yeah, about this that. is about 1910. You know, so 1912s I mean, when uh, the show ends. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's, bef it's before ladies were people. Mm-hmm. Except on boats. 
Except on boats. Women and children first. (laughs) (laughs) I can't vote, but thank God I get a lifeboat. I'm sorry. I had to make that joke because there's a Titanic bit towards the end. Yes. So... (laughs) I'll start this over. The opening scene jumps to a woman, Harriet, who's in the kitchen, cooking, less just like God intended, while trying to explain to her mother that she wants to move to New York City. But her mother tells her no, because they need her to bring in a steady income for the family. She tells her daughter this, all while complaining about her salty, dry food. <laughs> but I the, loved that But scene. the potatoes were well cooked. I loved that scene. It, 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 so it, it made me laugh. Uh... <laughs> They handle they handle the fact that everybody is working, performing from their own homes yeah. pretty well, you know, with the green screen stuff of like, yeah, you know, handing really stuff good. and then it goes off screen and then the other person picks it up. You know, it, it, it um, of course, it's not perfect, but mm-hmm. it, it, that was some good staging, though. Like it conveys the the scene. Like, yeah, you know, it does its job. It does. Yeah. What, it does what you need it to do. It does. It's awesome. The scene jumps to a woman arguing with a man about how she sure as shit can can do a man's job, being covered in grease and stuff like that. Oh, she wants to fly airplanes. That's what it is. <laughs> so how uh, how greasy does one get flying an airplane? I mean, it, at that time, you're also your own mechanic for your plane, I, so... I was just being... Y- you know, that's that's the thing. I was but... just being a fool. You know, me, Warren, from Tone Deaf. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest man to your straightish... <laughs> non-binary. Oh, God, I'm the straight one. But if I'm not the straight man and you're not the straight man, who's driving the car? <laughs> Off this cliff. So our our uh, our good God-intended cooker in the kitchen, Harriet, who we saw in the earlier scene arguing with her mother about moving to New York to be a high-profile journalist, does, in fact, move to New York to be a high-profile journalist. And she apparently is super serious about her job out there. Which makes the men all scoff, like, well, with that attitude, you'll never catch a man. And you're not making any friends, either. Harriet couldn't give a shit about their opinions, but her boss drops in to be like, you're going to California to write about the air show, the very first air show. And Harriet is like, sweet, and we see her go. She runs into the woman who wanted to be an engineer, uh, or aviatrix, and the two bond over wanting to fly. And this woman, uh, because I don't... In my earlier notes, I just have them very vague reference because I didn't know their names yet. Mm. This is Matilde, the sister of a character who teaches Harriet to fly. Mm. And uh, these are all actual people. It's not like, oh, we added a character in for what? No, these are all actual people that actually interacted these ways. And it's it's... It's very well researched. And they I'm... actually existed, and they actually flew planes, and they actually crashed <laughs> and died. <sighs> yeah. uh, spoilers? So yeah. So Harriet goes to California and meets Matilde, who and the two of them bond over both wanting to fly. But flying is a man's job slash hobby, because it's not really a job right now. <laughs> you control the plane with your penis, apparently, since only men can do it. I mean, that's why there's a stick. See, men are used to men are used to operating sticks. <laughs> Harriet has the memory of her mom sing to her and sing some song inspiration into her daughter about how she can go anywhere. I cast inspiration. 
it's, it's sometimes what it is. It's like everybody in this is a bard and they're just singing inspiration yeah. into people or singing intimidation <laughs> or singing inspiration into themselves. Anyway, back at the office, the boss is being a bastard and yelling at people for not working enough. Harriet especially, because her mom told her to take Sundays off because you need to have at least one day to keep your wits, which I agree with. People need time off. But Harriet's boss is not having any of that. All of you should have time. All you should have time to do is work, work, work. The boss hands out assignments and stiffs Harriet on covering the air show any further and instead tells her to go cover women's fashion. Mm. Now get going. Mm. Harriet busts into a yeah, well, fuck you <laughs> song, but not quite because Harriet is singing about how she wants to lose herself in the stars by covering what she's passionate about, in this case, the air show. At this point, though, another reporter, Jorgensen, comes in to be like, hey, uh, can I please switch with you, Harriet? I'm sad and single, and I want to cover the women's fashion show so I can try and steal a wife. Harriet is... <laughs> I mean, they don't have rights yet, so he can just snap one. <laughs> Harriet is like, no! This isn't seven brides for seven brothers! But it could be. <laughs> this is one bride for one lonely man. <laughs> the seven brides for seven brothers spinoff. And Jorgensen sinks, slinks away all sad. Smith, however, has the air show... Uh, air show priority that Harriet wants so desperately. But Smith is married and his wife would not like him being around fashion show people. But if Harriet can get the boxing story to trade, then that would work. <laughs> we then see Harriet going all around the office trying to get different journalists to switch stories so that she can get the air show story. But to do that, she needs to get the Boy Scout story to trade for the boxing story to trade for the <laughs> air show story. But the boxing story was already traded for the Typhoid Mary story. <laughs> In lieu of Jorgensen getting the women's fashion story, it's a puzzle of a story swapping. However, Harriet succeeds in the story swapping and gets set out to the air show to cover it. That was a really clever scene. It was, I loved that it. That was a fun scene. That was one of those scenes that, um, if this was a rom-com, it would be one of those, like, mm -hmm. I, uh, uh, it felt a little bit of, I don't know, in my brain, uh, if... It felt a little Scooby-Doo, and I don't mean that in the way that I'm sure people are thinking when I say mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo. It just seemed like one of those, like, going out this door, coming in this door, mm -hmm. going out, like, just just this kind of chaotic, like, I'll trade this for this and that for that, but you need this, and I gotta go over here to get that. Well, what I loved about it is that that is a scene that you wouldn't normally have people who are femme-presenting perform in a show. yeah. They ha that is one of the things that I really appreciate about this is that you have these comedic play on words songs for femme presenting people. I definitely will admit that my uh, cis brain did have a hard time determining who was supposed to be a male presenting character and who was not, at least mm -hmm. initially. Uh Harriet's boss and apparently every other reporter is supposed to be a male. Yes. Uh, which was funny because they had some very pretty people playing them. And so I had to be like, okay, this is a dude. But after a while, your brain... Yeah, after a while, your brain just kind of yeah. switches into the mode of, okay, you know, which, any, anybody is anybody. I, like, 
because of the fact that a non-binary b i have played men before mm-hmm. my brain just automatically went okay whatever but i can see where it's like oh but after a while you just sort of get used to it's like it's like what we talk about in the upcoming green pastures episode how you sort of get used to some of the conventions yeah yeah and that's sort of that's that's one of the like brilliantly beautiful things about this show and it's why it needs to be on stage. And yeah, I... Ah! <laughs> I really would like to see it on stage. Mm-hmm. So, Harriet is at the air show. The sponsor of the air show is, is Vin Fizz. Great drink. And they're <laughs> advertised by lovely and talented Davis sisters. Try Vin Sip. Sip and ah. I know I did that entirely it's wrong. It's Okay. So Vin Fizz is an actual drink that used to exist. I assumed it was Mm -hmm. because the way that they kept presenting it, I was like, this probably was was, a real, it was a real thing. Like I said, I love just these little, these little things that are like, you can go back and look it up and be like, yep, that's real. That was accurate. That was accurate. I do wonder though, uh, did Vin Fizz have, cocaine and heroin in it like everything else in the 1910s probably not for grape drink well why not because i think with grape drink it was just supposed to be refreshing and a refreshing grape soda well nothing's more refreshing than tripping balls with a delicious beverage it, it it's not really well maybe it was i don't think it was sold <laughs> as a medicine no no i don't need to go down that rabbit hole too I'm warren a, keep I'm going a, i'm a mental terrorist with keep my going wife. <laughs> Harriet runs into Mathilde, the flyboy's sister who wants to fly, the same as Harriet. Harriet and Mathilde hatch a plan to get her brother, John, to let them fly in his pilot school. Because, goddammit, these two are going to fly. Mm-hmm. We get John's song about being king of the aviators. John is very full of himself and a bit of a dick. And, apparently, the, he led a coup d'etat in El Salvador. <laughs> and he flew across the English Channel. Yep. And he opened a fly school so that he can teach other people to be as cool as he is. But not really, because John's flight stick is apparently the best in the biz. I kind of hope John's plane crashes in this show. Fingers crossed, listeners. Yeah. Too soon. Uh, (laughs) So. Past Warren. (laughs) Felt a little guilty about that note now knowing what happens <laughs> especially because john kind of is less of a dick later mm-hmm. you know anyways <laughs> are you impressed yet listeners with the king of the aviators in all fairness the singer for john is pretty damn good even if i want jan john to crash and burn literally again past warren past warren bad past warren yeah and uh John is played by Anna Lovrick, and they also play William Willard at the very end, who's, uh... Yeah, I could tell because they, mm-hmm. they pulled the hat down really low mm-hmm. uh, to, like, not show as much of the face, and that, that person didn't have any lines, really. Yeah. And so I was, it was made me laugh. It, as, like, it's a nice little uh, poetic moment, though, to have the same actor, actor for, uh, for John playing William, because both have the same thing happen to them. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. 
We then see Harriet saying to Matilde that they lied about liking their dress, but they would look better in a flight suit. Matilde is like, unhappy and happy at the same time because they're like, you lied about liking my dress, but thank you for saying I would look good in a flight suit. <laughs> Meanwhile, John lands from his flight and absorbs the cheers of his adoring fans. Harriet wants to join John's flight school, but John is more interested in giving Harriet their flight stick. <laughs> John is like, no, it's science. Ladies lack the concentration for flying. And then Harriet, <laughs> and Harriet then throws down some serious logic against John being all, well, all the crashes have been by men, right? Then why let men fly if all crashes have been by men? Jesus. You can't say women can't fly if you don't let women fly. And Harriet is like, I will be there Monday to bust your balls with my iron ovaries of aviatrix awesomeness. <laughs> Which John is so into. John is like, yeah, dominate me, Harriet. <laughs> Cut to flight class. Harriet is like, wanting to go from open book to open skies. And John is like, calm, yo tits. John is actually pretty. It's actually a pretty good teacher. And in these scenes, he does a really good job. Mm -hmm. I should say they do a really... I'm gendering because character versus player, and I apologize. Uh... Yes, John is actually a pretty good teacher, and the students seem to respond well. John dismisses class and asks Harriet for his money, and Harriet is like, Ah, I had to send money back home, but I promise I'll get you some next week. And John just kind of makes eyes at Harriet. And mm -hmm. Matilda's like, Yo, my brother wants you to sit in his cockpit and handle his flight stick! <laughs> but, like, but like, sexually. Not not really. You're, you're not ready to fly yet. <laughs> Then we get some ghost singers who. <laughs> then we get some ghost muses who sing to Harriet to help her focus. And, and they actually are called the muses in this. Oh, they are. So okay. they're they're the Greek chorus for this. That's so. kind of what I assumed, mm -hmm. but you know, it's one of those things of you know you have Harriet's mother's character as well as uh, mm -hmm. uh, some other characters um, that we see playing the muse roles. So like they mm -hmm. pop in to do the muse roles, but then they play their other characters as well. Yep. So I wasn't sure quite what to call them. So they were just the ghost muses. Yep. Welcome to Greek choruses. I fucking love when shows put Greek choruses and things. I like Greek choruses too. <sighs> the I ghost. wish they had stayed in Spider-Man. That would have made it better. <laughs> uh, you know what? Let's not get on a uh, Spider-Man. When this goes to rant. Broadway, Broadway, keep the muses in. Yes. Let them keep the muses in. Absolutely. So anyway, the ghost muses sing to Harriet to help her focus and not let her fiery passion for John's flight stick get the better of her. Because once you succumb to flight dick, you'll never reach your goals of flying. <laughs> Matilde seems to be feeding John some tidbits like, Harriet likes you, John. And Harriet is like, you bitch, how dare you? I mean, I do think he's a nice flight. He's got a nice flight stick, but I'm a serious professional woman. So in that scene... <laughs> Harriet is just singing about how she's got to not get distracted. She has her goals. She wants to achieve this. And even if John is a handsome person who's nice to her, she's like, no, no, no. I push out, push out the naughty thoughts. Push out the naughty thoughts. I got to fly. I want to be in the sky. So, yes, she resists the dick in order to get the flight stick. <laughs> the day is here and Harriet is ready for her first flight. Goggles on, nerves steeled, Harriet takes to the skies. She gets so excited flying that she crashes, proving John right that women don't have the concentration to fly. Tisk tisk. Way to set back women pilots, Harriet. <sighs> Just the resigned sigh from you is... I'd go for that. 
John is not pleased with Harriet for crashing the plane. Harriet is okay, but John is like, you're behind on your class payments and you broke my plane. You don't listen to me when I tell you you're going too fast. You don't listen to me, John, your very handsome teacher with those sexy lips and eyes. Until you pay with, <laughs> until you pay me what you owe, you can't be in my class. Harriet gets a little hurt, but it's kind of like, well... But uh, but it's kind of like, well, you did crash the plane, Harriet, mm -hmm. by going too fast and not listening to your teacher. Harriet is kind of like, I'm sorry, I'll be here with a check. And she sets off for work. So the line about his uh, lips and hips and eyes, that's in the song where she's yeah, like, yeah. Don't, don't look, don't pay attention to his hips. Don't look at his eyes. Don't look at his lips. She's like, focus, focus. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, at work, Harriet's boss is pissed at all of the employees. Because of the story sh uh, shuffling, everyone has non-work-related stuff going on now, and it's taking away their attention from work and to stupid things, nonsense things like wives and children and hobbies. The boss calls a staff meeting and basically tells all the employees that they have to have 100% dedication to the job. No hobbies, no family, no nothing. Only work, work, work. Somebody pushed this boss hole out of a window. <laughs> so... It, and uh, it's funny because, like, because of the people changing their their stories, you know, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it had, like, a ripple effect. And now this person has a hobby and this person got their wife pregnant. This person has yeah. this going on. So it's like it's almost like the boss intentionally gave stories that people wouldn't have that the reporters wouldn't have interest in in order to, like, keep them from being too engaged, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it just almost seems like the boss purposely had this ulterior motive to be like, you get a job you're not interested in so that you don't develop a... a it's also a, before workers had rights. This is true. This is true. Yeah, as your boss could say, you're going to work 100 hours. Mm -hmm. Harriet shows up to the flight class on Monday with her check, and John is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. As Matilde comes down from landing her flight, and John is like, you didn't do this, and make sure you do that, and do this, and this, and that. And John talks about how the judges are not going to like that a vagina is in the cockpit. <laughs> his old school misogyny. John is actually very complimentary of his sister and is like, You're doing very good and I'm very proud of you. And Matilde teases John about wanting to bang Harriet and how Matilde will give the best speech at their wedding. John is like, You're such a brat. I do really like how Matilde is so... uh uh. You like my brother, mm -hmm. my brother likes you, yeah. you two should get together, I want you for a sister. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, I I thought it was really adorable, it was really cute. Yeah. Um, even if it's one of those things that would drive me absolutely nuts to have a person, like, on the <laughs> sidelines, you know, uh, messing up my mojo, like, let me, let me do this my own way. <laughs> Cut to a news break, where they say that John is dead dead he uh -huh. crashed his plane so i guess uh my notes from earlier came true prophet warren yay matilde's speech will be a eulogy instead of a wedding speech and that's sad you killed john moisson so he's being ushered into the afterlife by john the giant pink sea snail yeah that will be john's next adventure is taking john mossat to the uh the airplane graveyard in the sky Coming to you this Easter season. God uh, damn it. Now I'm going to have to add the theme music. <laughs> wherever fictional books are not sold. No! 
We then see the obituary, and Matilda's at the funeral, singing to her brother and giving that stirring eulogy that I mentioned a couple seconds ago. <laughs> Matilda's all, Even though John died flying, he loved flying, and if he was here, I bet he'd say he was happy to die doing what he loved. Which, I mean, mm -hmm. fair, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. Matilda and Harriet sing together with the ghosts of inspiration in the background. After the eulogy, Harriet confides in Matilda that she's having doubts, because John dying has shaken her and made the consequences of flying feel more real than they did before. Matilda's a great supporting character and is like, No, Harriet, we can do this. John wouldn't want us to. We will do this for John and some snoopy, snoopy flying person. <laughs> comes over to be like, did I hear that you ovaries are going to be in a testicle seat? <laughs> and they're like, yep. And then we find out that this person is a rival reporter for the New York Times, which I forgot to mention Harriet's boss fucking hates the New York Times mm -hmm. and spends every scene that they're in talking about how much they hate the New York Times. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> this reporter is a rival reporter for the New York Times and gets a scoop about two women who are going to be testing for their pilot's license. <laughs> Anyways, Harriet and Matilde head back to finish the service, uh, the funeral service for John, and sing with John's ghost about taking flight and embracing the air around them. Ghost John then hands his scarf to Matilde. It's a good thing the scarf is red, because it will hide all the blood! Too soon? Oh my god. Back at the office, the boss is chewing out Harriet for letting her story get scooped by the goddamn New York Times. <laughs> and Harriet is like, I will get you an even better story once I pass my flight test. And the boss is like, you better pass your test, Harriet, or you'll be back to women's fashion. I really liked the test songs that are coming up. So, I had a hard time... Uh, uh, with some of the songs in terms of having them stick with me mm -hmm. uh, just because of my broken brain. Mm -hmm. um, but I do remember them being good and I do remember the lyrics being very good. Like, that's the thing, I, wanna, I would like to listen to this again. I, the, music, the music and the lyrics were really good, uh, but there was just a lot going on and the mm. show was very fast-paced, so I was just clackety-clacking away. <laughs> The next day at the flight test, the judges are singing about how they're how they're fine testing men, but I mean, women? <laughs> Pilots? What kind of crazy world is this? They should be in the kitchen making dinner before giving birth to their fourth child. <sighs> Those were the days. Huh. <laughs> Don't worry, uh. listeners, Kay will slap me later. <laughs> Onward! Harriet is here to test, and the judges are like, Do you need us to help you set up your plane, little girl? And Harriet is like, No, I know what I'm doing, thank you very much. And the f and uh, she goes to fly. Harriet has a near-perfect flight execution, but because she's a woman and she landed nine feet outside the designated area, she therefore fails her test. Even mm. though one of the dicks that was flying landed outside the designated area and they let him pass. Mm -hmm. I know, Harriet. Write an article about how the cockpits are full of dickheads. <laughs> but instead, Harriet's disembodied mother sings inspiration into her daughter to keep moving forward, upward, and onward. I love that song! Ah! I just... Mm. Harriet takes her disembodied mother's advice and pressures Matilde to let her fly instead. Matilda's like, no, I also worked really hard to chase my dream. You know what? 
never mind, you can do it. <laughs> and Harriet then goes to tell the judges that she will be testing today, and the judges are like, no, it's too foggy and windy. Oh, wait, the fog cleared up, and so did the wind. But with <laughs> So with uh, pressuring her friend and nature cooperating, Harriet crushes it this time, with being eight feet inside the landing zone. And at least it was like a hundred-foot landing zone. Yeah. And uh, so she was at 109 feet previously. This time when she landed, it was eight feet. And they were like, eight? Not a hundred and eight? Yeah, it was... It's good. And because Harriet landed eight feet inside the landing zone, she broke the landing record and the height record. Harriet is now the queen of the skies. And all the judges are like, but how can someone with a vagina do all this? <laughs> and Harriet sings her victory song, which needed a bottle of champagne being sprayed into the judges' faces. But understandably, it was not. There we go. For the for the inevitable uh, theater production, we need to have Harriet just shaking up a bottle of champagne and being like, woo! And spraying it in their faces as if she's, you know, like it's a dick. Like really, really driving it home to these assholes. Pour one out for the poor stage crew. <laughs> oh, oh, God, I guess that's true. Yeah, uh, we don't want that. Maybe, maybe just carbonated water? Because then it's not sticky? Anyways... <laughs> Harriet then reads the article she's presenting to her boss, basically saying, men are bastards and say women can't fly, but I can better than they can. So boom! And the article is a hit with her boss, who is like, we sold, we sold, uh, we outsold the New York Times. I love you. Your papers turned to gold. Fuck the New York Times. <laughs> we get a couple scenes back and forth with Matilda and Harriet talking about flying and how they've been so busy that they can't really hang out. We see Harriet continuously pushing herself and breaking records and boundaries. There is a contest for the first intercontinental flight and a $50,000 prize, and Harriet wants that prize. She rushes off to a tailor to get a custom flight suit that's the color that's uh, colorful and flashy. Harriet needs to make an impression. Speaking of impressions, Harriet is the first person to fly at night. Mm-hmm. And it was so amazing that she almost crashed, which scared the shit out of Matilde, who was like, are you okay? Like, mentally? Emotionally? Harriet is like, fuck yeah, I'm all right. I'm better than the men, and this manly, I'm better than the men at this manly thing. I'm gonna live forever and break records for the entire time of human history. Harriet very much, uh, <laughs> Harriet, no concept of failure <laughs> no concept of mortality either anyways matilda's like my friend is mad horny for flying and it's affecting their ability to consider the dangerous consequences of their actions but all harriet is hears is to the skies i want to fly she is she is drunk with her love for the air mm -hmm. intermission during the intermission, we get a lovely scene with the writers and producers thanking people for their support and also plugging their sponsor. Neat. Which was uh, Scrivener's Latte. What is it? Literature and Lattes? It was a... Yeah, Literature and Lattes. Yeah, it was a writing program. And mm -hmm. if you and I didn't already have spent money on a writing program, it might mm -hmm. be something to look into. But yep. if we have a writer... We already bought writer uh, duet. Uh, a lifetime thing. Yeah. We have I'm a lifetime. sorry, Latte and Scrivener. We have a lifetime commitment. Back from the intermission, the ensemble of singing ghosts are sounding very sad. And Harriet comes in like, what the fuck is this? A funeral? I'm alive and I'm a bad 
badass. Look up, look up, abandon fear and despair. Look up, look up, Harriet Quimby is there. Now, of course, that is not to the tune <laughs> that actually happens because that is forever ago for my musically challenged friend. <laughs> but Harriet continues singing about how even when she's afraid, she can't look down, even if she feels tempted to. And onward, Harriet is talking to Matilde, who is like, what are you doing back here? You hardly train anymore. And Harriet is like, this place feels like a home base, somewhere I can always come back to. And they're talking about the flight school. Mm -hmm. Matilda is like, did you hear about my record? And Harriet is like, yep, feels good, huh? Being so fucking awesome. But Matilda doesn't seem to be getting off on the danger like Harriet is. She asks Harriet if she will ever feel, <clears throat> she asks Harriet if she ever feels like when they land, They've avoided death one more time, and if death will ever catch up to them. Harriet is like, I'm careful. And Matilda's like, it's not always about you, Harriet. Gosh. And the two have a bit of a spat, with Matilda being like, you never make time for me. And Harriet being like, I have work to do and money to make to send back to my family. And Harriet sets off. While Matilda sings a sad song about wondering if she can do another flight. Meanwhile... Harriet's boss is chewing them out for writing the same kind of article and becoming bland and boring to the fickle, fickle paper-buying masses. Harriet has no time because they're flying against some fancy pants from Europe who thinks <laughs> they can fly better than Harriet. Harriet, however, wins and claims the $600 prize. <laughs> the reporter is like, you barely won. Do you think you can win your next race? And Harriet is like, fuck yeah. And like, I hate. I hate the reporter that is always there. Charles Miller. Yeah, yeah. to be a dick to Harriet mm -hmm. every single time. I'm just, it, I really hate that level of asinine discrimination where it's like, you know, you and I have talked about it before that, that it's the same kind of thing um, that black people often have to do where it's like you have to excel by an order of magnitude in mm -hmm. order to even have the hope of being taken seriously by white society yep even if you're better than they are mm -hmm. they just kind of hand wave and go yeah but you're black so therefore yeah that's good it's like same thing you know that women have to go through too it's mm -hmm. like i'm better than all the men yeah but you still have a vagina mm -hmm. so therefore mm -hmm. you shouldn't be in a cock it's called a cockpit not a vagina pit even though a vagina is much more of a pit than a cock. Um. And all of this talk has now put a <laughs> mental image in my brain that will never, ever leave. Do share, darling. You know a viper's pit? But just disembodied cocks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's like... Every 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 guy that Harriet beats a record of, she just cuts off their dick and puts it in the pit. You won't be needing this anymore. Into the cockpit. <laughs> this joke oh. may not stay. It made me laugh until my vision faded a little bit. I liked it. So, onward. Harriet receives a letter, a love letter, and it's pretty funny how they shoot down this mysterious lover's advances, saying, You're nice and everything, but please stop. And the, <laughs> the poor dense fool is like, Harriet Quimby said I'm nice! Yeah! Like, it reminds me of uh, Dumb and Dumber, where it's like, Do you think there's a chance? No. Like, one in a hundred? One in a thousand? More like one in a million. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. 
<laughs> Anyways, Harriet seems to be accumulating admirers who want to marry her, but Harriet is like, I'm sorry, I'm married to the sky. <laughs> At the next flight meet, Harriet is getting grief from a reporter and another pilot who are like, you're just a little girl in over your head. And Harriet is like, I'm not a little girl and nothing is over my head. I hold the height record. <laughs> we then see Harriet physically arguing with her mother about flying on Sunday because it's too windy on Sunday. And oh. Saturday, oh, sorry, because it's too windy on Saturday. And Sunday flying would displease her mother. Yeah. Speaking of displeasing her mother, the other people are like, it's really too foggy, Harriet. And Harriet is like, fuck y'all. I'm the best. I'm going to fly anyway. So it's like she wants to fly on a Saturday, but they're like, no, no, this is too dangerous, too windy, too foggy. Like, we can try flying tomorrow. And that's when Harriet's like, my mom made me promise that I wouldn't do things on Sundays because I need a day to rest. But she's like, fuck it. I want to fly. It can't wait till Monday. We then see Harriet in the locker room trying to shoo away a messenger who is like, but it's my job and I'm supposed to give you this missive marked urgent. Harriet is like, fine, but puts it behind and puts it behind her into hammerspace. So for those of you who don't know, hammerspace is a Looney Tunes term for like when they just reach behind their back and pull out something that shouldn't be able to be concealed behind them. Or if they hide behind like a tiny tree and mm -hmm. disappear entirely. So you see that all the time in stuff where they just like put something behind them and it just goes into their back pouch. You know, <laughs> that's what Harriet does with this missive. Harriet then gives herself a pep song about how she's ladybird of the sky and she can fly and she can do this and she just needs to point herself straight ahead and do the flight thing and move the stick and flap the wings. Plain stuff. <laughs> Cut to Harriet in the air and she smells gas in her engine and she never learned to use the compass and, and, and she made it. She made it across the English Channel, which we didn't know she was flying across until this very moment. And it's after that that she takes... I thought that she mentioned she was going to do a channel crossing. I think that they, they allude to it. She says she wants to fly okay. across the English Channel. And then Matilda's like, John barely made it. Like, yeah. you don't... like Because Matilda's like, you're you're doing all these very dangerous things. Mm -hmm. You're going to die. And, and Harriet's like, no, I can do it. I yeah. am the best. And so she talks about wanting to do it, but they never, at okay. least as far as I remember, they never explicitly say that she's doing the English Channel flight until mm -hmm. she crosses it. And she's like, I crossed the English Channel. Okay. I, for some reason, I thought that they had mentioned that the danger was the fog over the English Channel, but... Maybe they did, because I know they state, you know, the fog and the wind, but I mm -hmm. thought it was just another flight. Uh. Uh, so I could be wrong, but, mm -hmm. but regardless. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Harriet made it across the English Channel. It's after that that she takes out the important missive that she received, and she's like, oh, shit, and she rushes out to Matilde, who is all fucked up after her last and final flight. Mm -hmm. Some dumb shit crowd people tried to rush her plane, and Matilde had to fly up to avoid mulching a little boy who was on his dad's shoulders. Apparently, Matilde suffered some very severe burns and was pulled from the plane, but she is still alive. Mm -hmm. And that's what the missive was, but Harriet was like, I don't have time to read this missive marked urgent. I'm flying across <laughs> the English Channel! Yeah. Harriet talks about how, after crossing the English Channel, these douche reporters were like, yeah, 
but men, multiple men have done it, so it's no big deal. Acting like it's a big deal would be a disservice to feminists. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, eh, you don't get to choose what's a disservice to feminism. Yeah. Especially, mm. it's like, oh, well, I get, I get really annoyed at that when it's like, a woman does the same thing as a man. It's like, yeah, but men have already done it. It's like, yeah. but you you are constantly saying that women can't do what men can do. Mm-hmm. So when a woman does something that a man does, yeah. you should be like, oh, women can do the same it's, thing. It's like when uh, certain black people, suddenly it's not a big deal when they get uh, high levels of power sometimes the highest level of power and they don't understand why we're losing our shit over it and why we're going holy crap this is huge yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we all know what i'm talking about and what pisses me off every day but wait dear <sighs> listeners we've received an important emergency news update yes uh-huh uh-huh confirmed Okay, listeners, I'm being informed that the reporter dismissing Harriet's accomplishment is a chode. We here at Tone Death agree. (laughs) Oh, also, I guess the Titanic sinking happened at the same time as Harriet crossing the English Channel. Uh, So that sort of eclipsed her achievement in the news. Oh, my hell. Harriet and Matilde have a good song about how Harriet is a star, even if she was not properly recognized. And then a fancy person comes in to be like, Cal Rogers, have you heard of him? I haven't. Me, Warren, I haven't. But anyway, (laughs) Cal Rogers, this important flying person, died in a fiery crash. Do you want to take over his plane flying job? And Harriet is like, ooh, an opportunity for death and glory? (laughs) Matilde tries to talk Harriet out of flying since all of the great pilots keep dying because these planes are basically paper crates with engines attached. (laughs) And I don't think they even have proper safety restraints yet. But anyways, Harriet sets off to be the new Vin Fizz grape drink fly girl. And uh, I'm sure this final flight will go just fine. You know... Because the singing girls are so upbeat and excited about their purple fizzy grape drink. Mmm, grape drink. (laughs) Cut to the locker room where Harriet's mother drops in for a surprise visit. And Harriet is like, it's good to see you, Mom, but I don't have time to see you. I've been doing all of this flying for you and Father. And Harriet's mom is like, no... You've been doing this for yourself. We appreciate all the money you've been sending back, but your reporter job was enough. You're Mm -hmm. doing this flying for you. And Harriet is like, oh, I guess I am. Anyways, it's Sunday, and your stupid rule of not working on Sunday has only led me, has only held me back from my destiny. Now get out of my locker room, and I'll talk to you later after my super safe, no problems flight. Uh... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When she's saying that, I'm just like, no, 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 no. Hey, Mom, go get in the front row. You can watch me land and be the first to greet me. (sighs) As the announcer announces that... As the announcer announces that Harriet will accomplish her 5,000 foot high flight with a passenger, and Harriet launches into her Lady Bird of the Sky song as she psychs herself up to do the super flight, to do the super flight that will totally turn out all right with no fiery first passenger. (laughs) Yeah, her her super safe flight, which will totally be fine with no fiery crashes or death. Which I mean, half of that is right. Uh, 
<sighs> oh, wait, I spoke too soon. <laughs> we then see multiple witnesses being like, it was a faulty wire to blame. No, no, it was the wind to blame. But whether it was the wind or the wire to blame, we can all agree that it was a shame. We then see Harriet's paper boss being like, Harriet was amazing and was cut down in her prime. She was a shatterer of glass ceilings. It was the damn plane. And then the plane's owner is like, it's not my plane's fault. Must have been the passenger. And then we get a, then we get a dick face reporter saying that Harriet crashed because she's a woman. Fucking and as Charles we all Miller. know, women can't be pilots because their vaginas make their brains not work right. Mm. Harriet's boss steps in to tell that dick to go fuck himself. And the song continues with all the different parties singing about how it's a shame, it's a shame, it's a shame. Yeah. And it is a shame. Yeah. Can you say she died at like 37? Yep. Yeah. Because pilots at the time, short-lived. Yeah. Very short-lived. Time rewinds and we see Harriet in the plane with her final thoughts before she died. This song is actually my favorite, though. Yes! Harriet sings it like a fucking oh. boss. And it's a very empowering song that is good. It's a good just it's a justification of desire song. Mm -hmm. uh, might be the, the best way to put it. She's singing about how even though she was afraid, she was excited, and even though she was she uh she knew she would die, uh she wanted to fly. Like the song ends and it does it, it, the song ends and so does the show and it's actually a very beautiful way to end the show mm -hmm. rather than on a sad note it ends on a powerful inspirational note with note with Harriet smiling and looking upward yes so I kind of oh, uh, I kind of fumbled that but yeah so Harriet it's you know we have you know because basically the whole ending scene is okay I'm gonna go do this flight with the first passenger you know okay taking off and then everybody's like oh my god Harriet died well, and, and they show her in the plane and then the passenger kind of yeah. stands up and she goes wait no and then yeah you see one of the uh, muses kind of reaching like they're trying to grab her because Harriet fell from the plane is what the from from the little bit that I did when I started going into a deep dive on aviation disasters last night, um, it was like she, she, they think that she and her passenger fell from the plane and the plane went a few thousand feet past their bodies, which is why they were able to get their bodies. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that they, they did a good job bringing that touch into it that it's like, no, she fell. From the plane, um, but it it's like, then when they rewind, I want to see that on stage. I, I want to see that, because that was, that was my favorite thing in Hamilton, and was the thing that made me go, I can't not watch this show live. Mm -hmm. I can't just listen to the soundtrack and be happy with it. Yeah. And they did such good job with it here, even through Zoom. Yeah, I and it, ah! it was a really... It, uh, it was really nice that they ended the show that way because yes. rather than it ending, you know, with just the death of the hero, mm -hmm. you know, it, it basically, you know, goes back in time to the hero's final moments. Yes. And, and I just really liked it, it. It kind of made me think a bit about John because yeah. we, we don't see much about him uh, up to his death because, you know, he's, yeah. he's a secondary character. But with Matilde talking about how, you know, if John were here, he he probably would say he had no regrets that he yeah. died doing what he loved. And I felt like that transitioned great 
into the mm-hmm. same thing with Harriet. The same yes. kind of thing. She's like, this is what I want to do. I know it's dangerous, and yeah. I know that I could die doing it, but my life won't be the same if I'm not doing what makes me feel alive. I agree a thousand percent. And it was just, and her song was really good, mm-hmm. and Harriet, just like I said, she sang it like a fucking boss, mm-hmm. and it was just a really good song, and I, I really liked, I really appreciated how that's how it ended, that it yeah. was it was much more of a, yes, this is a sad story, yes, it is a tragedy, however, this person didn't, didn't regret it. You know, this yeah. person... You know, if if you if you if you, I wonder if you would have told her, hey, I'm from the future. You die this day. If she would have yeah. been like, no, I don't. And then she would have gotten in the plane and yeah. been like, I'm going to prove you wrong because that's the kind of person mm-hmm. that she was. She was like, I am in charge of, of yeah. my fate. Because she was a bamf. She was a bamf. Mm hmm. Ah. This was so good. So thank you, Lily, so much. Thank for, you. Thank you so much for. Uh, telling us about this and sending us the discount ticket because ah and you know i i I was talking i didn't give enough credit to the rest of the ensemble because everybody was a was very talented singers and they they were able to work in some dancing and stuff like that even Mm -hmm. though with the restrictions of of doing it through uh zoom and stuff like that Mm -hmm. um but it was everybody was very well talented yeah they they were good actors and everybody played multiple characters and you could tell that the characters were different Mm -hmm. so you know uh uh, i know i focused a lot on harriet and stuff like that but i want to also say that the other other actors in this were phenomenal yeah everybody everybody in it was really great and even though the version that we watched had some technical issues that it sounds like have been ironed Mm out um it didn't I mean, it, may, it what it really did is just made us want to see the show again. Yeah, that's, that's what it did. <laughs> that's what like, it did. We're just like we is like, yeah, we saw it through Zoom. We just like okay, this needs to get uh, uh, enough traction that when things get better, it can mm-hmm. get a stage version. Yeah, it goes it goes on to Broadway and then it goes on tour and then a theater in Utah does it so that we can see it here and then. <laughs> I get I get back in shape so that I can be in it. <laughs> the other thing too, yeah. The other thing too, um, one reason that I personally like being able to do pro shots versus going to a place and watching it mm-hmm. live is because I can't take notes when yeah. we go somewhere. Yeah, I can only do that when we are in the comfort of our own uh, cave. Yes. So that's why Warren. The uncultured and antisocial <laughs> wants to enjoy musicals from the comfort of his dwellings. That and pro shots generally have captions, which thank you so much for yes! captions. Oh my god. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I totally forgot to say that. Thank you so much for having captions. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I, y- y- tone deaf, don't hear right, even though I like things. Mm. Uh, so thank you for having captions. We're a family of auditory processing disorders here. Right? <laughs> But yeah, the show it was, was good. So good. It was entertaining. And yeah. I, I, like I said, I want to see it again. Yeah, so. definitely. So so please, please uh, support this show because it needs to get traction and it needs to get notoriety so that yes. it can have a opportunity to be uh, uh, on stage. Yes, please, please, please watch it. Uh, the AviatrixMusical.com. So a v-i-a-t-r-i-x musical okay we'll Um, have a link in the show notes. yes i will have a link in the show notes uh but also saying it out loud um definitely check them out uh it's available on vimeo until february 2nd so 
yeah, just go watch it. Go watch it twice. Go watch it three times. It's amazing. Uh, anyway, that'll be it for today, I believe. So uh, tomorrow, or not tomorrow. Next so episode. Next episode will be our first Black History episode. It will be all about Joseph Bologna. Woo! Who, uh, I love Joey Bologna. If you want to see more about him, check out our Patreon uh, we've got a bonus episode about one of his operas, The uh, Anonymous Lover. The Anonymous Lover, which is which was fantastic to watch, and I cannot say enough positive things about it because even though it is a a, uh, a product, a, even though it's technically dated, being a 17th century production, it's still very good, and mm. the music in it is so good. Yeah, and okay. L.A. Opera <clears throat> did an amazing job. L.A. So, Opera knocked it out of the park again. Aviatrix, go watch it now. Um, That'll be it for today and for this mini-episode. Thank you all again for listening. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Deaf. And it's still technically a mini-episode because it's under an hour. <laughs>